0: Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. We started a sermon series last week entitled, The Deadly Exchange. And so let's do a, a quick review on that. Turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 2. And if you don't have a Bible with you today, that's fine. We have one in the pew there. We're going to uh, start on page 866. Page 866, Jeremiah chapter two. And you remember that Israel, God's people here at this time were not obeying him. They were doing their own thing. And and God is just, he says, I'm amazed to see this that you would do this. And then he describes uh, with an illustration, a very brief and to the point illustration what's going on when people sin against God verse 13, he says, for my people have committed two evils. So understand this, each sin is two evils, not just one. Two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So let's just, just th- think about this analogy here for just a little bit. What he's talking about, and this really meant something to these people because they lived in an arid land where there wasn't a lot of rain and, and all this. And so springs were very important to them. In fact, they, all sorts of towns would, would uh, pop up where there was a spring, where there was a well. And so uh, God is saying here that my, what I give to you is like fresh spring water. Anybody, of you ever uh, got a drink out of a spring that's actually running out of the amount? Yeah, isn't it amazing? And, and God says, that's what I am for you, a fountain of living water. But when you decide to set aside what I've told you is good and right and go your own way and sin, he said, what you're doing is you're saying no to the fountain of living water, and you're building your own cistern. And the cistern is what they would use to try to collect what little rain water there was and, and hopefully, you know, have enough. And he says, not only have you, you know, built your own cisterns, and, and by the way, that water just sits there and sits there and it's, it gets heated up and things grow in it and, well, you know, right? He says, not only that, is that your own cisterns, but he says, it's, they also leak. And you can't even keep what you think you've got. And so he says, this is what the deal is with sin. God's ways, perfect, right, best, always will be a blessing to us when we follow them. But instead we say, no, no, I like this. This rancid, Well, whatever. Somehow I like this better. God says, in the previous verse, he said, I'm astonished. You ought to be astonished. We're stupefied that people would choose that, and do, but we do, don't we? But we're works in progress and God is teaching us to say, wait a minute, why would I want this when I can have this? And so when we're exchanging the fountain of living water for broken cisterns, that is sin. That's what sin is about. And that's what we need to see. It isn't just that God has said, oh, well, don't do this because I don't want you to have any fun. He knows it's bad for us and doesn't even begin to compare with what he has for us. And so we said last week that the problem with sin is this. And why don't you read it with me up there, if you will. The problem with sin is this, is that it turns me away from what's absolutely best for me in exchange for what's absolutely worst for me. Now, why don't you say it again and sound like you're convinced. The problem with sin, it turns me away from what's absolutely best for me in exchange for what's absolutely worst for me. Now, when we are talking about sin, we usually think of those, we have a list probably that comes up in our mind. Things that are sin. And, and last week we talked about big sins and little sins a little bit, and I know some of you had some questions about that. Well, let me explain. When I said big sins last week, I was talking about, this is like, you know, killing somebody, committing adultery, being a thief, uh, you know, committing perjury, I mean, the biggies. And I say biggies in this sense because they have a huge impact on this life, don't they? Right away, big. And so then we have all the other sins that, that uh, lead up to these things. And I'm calling them little, not because they're little before God, but because they don't seem to have immediate big impact. All right, and so let's say that uh, somebody does me wrong and I'm really bothered by this, and rather than forgive them, I let myself stay angry. That seems like a little sin, doesn't it? Letting yourself stay angry, what's the big deal? And then that anger starts to turn somewhat to bitterness. And that bitterness starts to affect how I look at every other relationship I have. And then bitterness starts to govern my way of thinking You see see how this goes? Little sins end up over here and this huge sin, which over there you said, I would never do that, you, it's only how far away now. Just one little step. So this is what I mean when I say big sins or little sins. Before God, they're all sins and before God, Jesus had to die for all of them. For every one of them. Not just for the big ones or little ones. And so we, we talked about this, that Every time we make a choice, here's the fountain of living waters, over there's the broken cisterns, and really it's all on the way, but we're turning from there to there, away from God to sin, away from the fountain of living waters to the broken cisterns. But so, this idea of sins, we can see, you know, as I even described this progression, you go, oh, yeah, that's not right. We shouldn't do that. We get that. We see that isn't right. It doesn't belong in our lives. We know that. What about things that don't look like sin? Things that we would look at and say, well, that's a good thing. How could that be a bad thing? Well, the Bible tells us something about this in a story, true story, about a conversation that Jesus had with somebody. So let's turn in our Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. And we're gonna be on page 1208 in the Pew Bible. Now right before Jesus has this conversation, we see a story Jesus tells about two men who who, uh, were very different. One man just saying, oh wow, I thank God that I'm not this way and that I don't commit that sin and I don't live like those people. I thank God for all his blessings in my life that I am the way I am. And he says another man gets up and prays and says, oh God, I am so messed up. All I can do is ask for your mercy. And Jesus says, which one ended up right with God? It's the one who acknowledged his need. And then the next story he talks about the little children. The little children, people were bring little children to Jesus, and, and they wanted to do that, and, and people say, No, no, don't bother him, don't bother him. And Jesus says, No, wait a minute, let him come. And he says, There's something we need to learn here. He says, Unless you come to God like a little child, you can't be saved. Because we have to come with this childlike faith, saying, okay, God, I, I receive your Son as Savior. I trust you for your forgiveness. And we come like that. And so he's talking about who's really right with God. And then we get down to verse 18. And it says this. Now a certain ruler asked him, saying... Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, before we go any farther, just let me say to you that uh, the Bible is very clear that there's nothing, no actions that we can do that will provide us with eternal life. You know, there's no religious things we can do, no good works we can do, no bad thing we can say no to that will earn us eternal life. That's clear throughout the Scripture. For by grace are we saved through faith right, not of works. But isn't this a pretty natural understanding that people have? Well, how do I need to live to make it to heaven? And so Jesus is gonna deal with this guy and he's gonna get down to the heart issue for him momentarily. He says, so good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. Jesus is doing two things here. One is I think he's challenging this person to, you need to acknowledge who I am. I am God. I am the Son of God. I am the Lord. By the way, you can't be saved without coming to that conclusion that Jesus is indeed who the Bible says he is. He's the Son of God, the Lord, who you need to trust as Savior, right? And so Jesus is bringing that. But the second thing he's doing here is this. He is... is, uh, uh, Making this connection between God and good. In other words, any good that's disconnected from God is no longer really good. Does that make sense? All right? It's, it's disconnected. In other words, it's, it's, in and of itself, it's not bad, but it becomes bad in our lives when it gets disconnected from God. So Jesus is setting this up. And Jesus is is going along with this man's line of thought and he says to him, uh, Jesus says, verse 20, you know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. Jesus throws out these ones and he leaves out the ones about God being first in your life and he leaves out the one about covetousness and just kind of throws out the commands. You know what the Bible says. He says, verse 21, and he, this rich young ruler said, all these things I have kept from my youth. Is this guy a religious person? Think so? Yes. Does he, he know what the Bible says? Yes, he does. He's, he's put that together in his life and his mind and he's living that way and he's got it all figured out. And he's kind of patting himself on the back here, right? He's come to Jesus and he said, What do I need to do? And Jesus says this, and he goes, oh, I'm already doing that. That's me. But Jesus does to him what God always does to us. He now drills right down into his heart. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. What does that sorrow reveal about this man? Well, let me just step back a little bit and ask you a question. Do you think being rich is a good thing? I'm um, just ask this way, how many of you, if you had a choice and it didn't matter either way and you could choose, how many would choose to be rich versus being very poor? Right? How many of you, if there was no you know, negative consequences and you'd say, I'd like to be richer than I am today? How many of you would be real spiritual and say, if I had more money and riches, I could do more for the kingdom of God, right? I mean, so riches are not a bad thing. In fact, riches can be a very good thing. God can provide riches. God can provide wealth for us to use for Him and to, to serve Him with and to enjoy along the way. The Bible tells us that we ought to enjoy the things that God provides for us. All good. And yet I would say to you that in this man's life what was good has become bad. And this good has now become disconnected from God in his life. Just to get your mind going and hopefully your heart. If Jesus were to say to you, One thing you lack. What would he zero in on for you? What would it be? Riches? Maybe. Maybe it's a relationship you're in that you don't have to be in and maybe ought not be in. That seemed good when it started. Maybe a a work situation. Maybe home, possessions, cars, hobbies. What would he say to you? To you. This one thing, this one good thing has now become a bad thing in your life. It's getting in the way. It's become disconnected from me. What would it be? You see, here's what you need to understand. Good things become bad things when they keep me from the best thing, following the Lord. Because what did Jesus say? That good thing, that riches, look, where you're at in life, mister, you need to sell them and you need to give them away so you can follow me. They are in the way. You need to follow me. And he was very sorrowful. Because, it says he was very rich. This tells us that he has been very purposeful in in becoming rich. This has been a big deal to him. This is part of how he sees himself and it gets in the way. Why don't you read that with me up there, ready? Read it, here we go. Good things become bad things when they keep me from the best thing, following the Lord. Let's read on here, verse 24. And when Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful, he said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. See what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there. I'm going to um, not go there yet. Let's go back and let's, let's, let's think again. If Jesus were to say to you today, one thing you lack, this, this, this good thing in your life has become a bad thing because you're disconnected from me and you're, you're letting it keep you from following me, what would it be? I mean, money's the easy one to see, right? Because we know people, don't you know somebody who loves money? Maybe it's you. And we can see that one. But what about a situation? Let's say that in your life, God has provided you with a job, a really good job, with lots of opportunity. And you've gone to work every day as a Christian, trying to do this job like a Christian would do. And because you go to work and you do that, that well all the time, guess what they do? They take notice. They take notice that you show up on time. They take notice that you put your, your heart into what you're doing. They take notice that you pay attention and do what's right. And then they say, hey, we want to offer you promotion. You want a significant amount of pay increase. Is that a good thing? Is that probably a blessing from God? Probably, right. And so we get into this and then you keep doing this and for another year and another year and another position and then all of a sudden there comes this point in time where the Holy Spirit starts tugging on you and saying, you know, I think this job is becoming more important to you than I am. I think you're starting to love what you're doing there more than you love doing what I have for you to do elsewhere too. It's taking away time from your family, which is hurting your family. It's preventing you from being involved in your church and ministry and reaching out to the world. It's preventing you from that. Now you can make some changes and you think, okay, I can make some changes. I'm gonna do that. And then along they come and they say, you have done so well for us. Listen, we want to promote you from here to here. And by the way, this is a $50,000 pay increase. But you're gonna have to work every Sunday and yeah, probably going to be 60, 70 hours a week. What are you going to do? Well, it sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? And at that point, you've, you may have already bought in, you already drank the Kool Aid. Right about how things are and what's good. Well, of course, this is a good thing. If I got $50,000 more think what I could give away. And, and we think this, is a, but the Holy Spirit's saying something very different to us. But here's, so we're faced with this choice. We have the fountain of living waters, following the Lord, living how He wants us to live, whether we have a lot or none. Fountain of living waters, and we have broken cisterns, which is, in this case, it would be saying, okay, I'll take the promotion. Well, I might lose my job if I don't take the promotion. What are you going to do? See, we have to settle something. We have to decide ahead of time what we're going to do when we get to that place in life. Because if we don't, we will probably already be so far down the road, we won't really see it and get it. Because we've already taken little step, little step, little step. And and so what we have to do is we have to say, no, and here's, I'm calling it, you need to have a premeditated yes. A premeditated yes. I've already thought about this. I've already thought that. Anything in my life, anything in my life that starts to get in the way of me following the Lord, I'm not going there. I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to say no to it. I don't care how good it looks. I don't care what rationalizations I can give for why this is a good thing. I've already decided to say yes to God. I will follow you. Because, see, this man, this rich young ruler, when he comes to, to talk to the Lord and the Lord says, one thing you lack, you need to sell all and, and follow me. If he had already had this premeditated yes in his heart and mind, what would he have done? He said, Okay. Okay. I, I'm just sharing this with you because this just came to mind. I look down here at Rich, Rich Pompbran. He and I are studying the Bible together and he's going, and whenever we come to some place in the Bible and I say, you know, here's what the Bible says, Rich goes, okay. I love that. See, that's where we need to be ahead of time. We've already settled it. I'm already settled. And now, don't misunderstand me. I think, you know, that if if, if I heard God say to me, listen, I want you to sell everything you have and give it away, I go. Did I really, is that really what you said? I mean, I get that, right? We, we wanna be careful, we don't wanna be, you know, nuts, we want, but, we want, but the idea is when we know that God is saying something, we need to have already decided what we're gonna do. This could be with your house. It may be that the house that you have gotten into, and it is a good house, it's awesome house, you love it, it's so nice to go home to. Uh, all of these things, and you might say, you know what? We need to downsize because of the, what this is bringing into our lives and what is keeping us from doing. Now I'm kind of getting personal here, right? you need to have already said yes to that if the Lord says that this good thing is, is becoming a bad thing. It's starting to become disconnected from following me. Now, just the same way, you might be living in this house and, and get a sense of, you know what, if I'm gonna follow the Lord, I need to upsize because we don't have enough room to have people over and, and, and do something as Christians together. We, in fact, we wanna sit in, a, maybe a, have an in-law kind of apartment, not for the in-laws, but for the missionaries who come through and maybe it is in-laws, but but you see what I'm saying? It's not about you have to always go down. Maybe you need to go up. But the idea is what they say is that uh, this house has to be about serving God. This house has to be about following God. And the minute this house is no longer about following God, it needs to go and I need to follow the Lord. your house, your job, your car. And maybe you need to get rid of the car because you're, you're paying through the nose for it and it's hindering your ability to, to be free to serve God the way He wants you to and your finances and how many hours you have to work, all that stuff. It may be that He wants you to know, I want you to buy a big van because I want you to pick people up who don't have a way to church. I mean, I'm not trying to to micromanage that for you. But what I'm trying to say is you have to say that this good thing, the only way it's going to ever stay a good thing if I make sure that it's about following the Lord. Good thing. I want my kid in sports. Do you know how quickly that good thing can become a bad thing and prevent you from really following the Lord? And we could go on and on down the list, right? But I don't think I need to. My challenge to you today is if the Lord was saying to you, this one thing you lack, there's something in your life that that you look at, and this is a good thing. In and of itself, it is a good thing, but you are beginning to let it have a place in your life that's going to keep you from following me the way you ought to. You see, God does not call us to add Jesus to our lives. And what happens is we get saved. You know, we're we're, we're husbands, we're fathers, we're employees, we're neighbors, uh, whatever. And so we get saved and we, we, oh, okay, I'm gonna add Jesus to being a a husband. I'll be a better husband because I've added Jesus. I'll I'll be a better father because I've added Jesus. I'll be a better employee because I've added Jesus. All that kind of stuff. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says when we come to him that we let it all go let me let my marriage go. Don't worry, God's not going to tell you to disobey him, to obey him. But the idea is, you know why I'm a, a, a good husband now or why I'm trying to be? It's because I'm following Jesus. So that, do you know why I'm working hard at this job? It's because I'm following Jesus. I'm in this, young people, young people, listen up. You find yourself in a relationship with that young man or that young woman and it's a good thing. Oh, does it feel good? Anybody here remember how good it feels when you finally, you connect with somebody? Am I the only one? <laughs> well, I'm just goofy. I was thinking about this reason. I, think, I remember what that was like and how it feels and it's so good. We love that stuff. It's so awesome that happens. But what can happen is that relationship, all of a sudden you can start to realize this relationship really isn't going in the direction of following Christ feels like a good thing, but it's not going in the direction that follows Christ. And in fact, I'm starting to see signs in it that we're not following Christ together. This one thing you lack, you need to let it go. Follow Jesus. Now, that seems crazy hard, doesn't it? Does the thought of going in and saying to your boss, I can't do this anymore, Thought of ending a relationship that you're in? Does that, you know, how in the world do we do that? How, how do I even know what, you know, Walt, you're talking about all these things, how do I know? Well, first of all, let's give this guy credit in our story. He came and asked Jesus, didn't he? He was awful, but he came and asked Jesus. I wanna challenge you today to ask God and be very serious about it. God, what is in my life like this? Show me what's in my life it's more important to me than it ought to be. It's more becoming more important to me than you. It needs to go or needs to change. What is it? Come and ask him. Second thing is that premeditated yes. You need to decide ahead of time. Yes, Lord, whatever you show me, yes. Whatever. And then... When it seems so hard, and we didn't read the rest of the text, just for time's sake here. Jesus, the, 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 the apostles were overwhelmed said, well, how in the world? Who can get this? Who can do this? And, and Jesus said, well, with men it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. All you got to say is, yes, Lord, I will follow you. I don't care what it costs. Yes, I don't know how in the world I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. With God, it's possible. You can do it. And the third thing, maybe it's the fourth, I don't know. Peter says, Lord, we've left all to follow you. We've done that. And Jesus said, in this life and the one to come, it will absolutely be worth it. There's nothing that sets you free like saying no to something that looks good in order to follow Jesus. It will set you free in your soul and change the way you look at all of your life. Now for most of you, this is gonna to mean tomorrow that you get up and go to work, just like you did last week. Right? But if you can settle this issue now, settle it ahead of time, say yes, you're gonna to go to work as a different person. You're gonna to go to work as a follower of Jesus and you've already settled the issue before it ever comes up. And that's what, how God calls us to live. Now, I really challenged myself about this and trying to think, for me, what does this mean? And and the first thing I came up with was really silly. I thought, maybe it's coffee I need to give up. And immediately I thought, no. No, that's a silly thing, but do you understand that if I real, if, if the Holy Spirit started to put it in my heart that, you know, this money you're spending on coffee you could do something else with or, you know, you your way too dependent on coffee. You need to, to get, I mean, see I mean, that could happen, right? That's a silly little example, but let me tell you a bigger example that happened in my life and my wife's life back in about 1999. We had been here for 17 years and it's the role that Dave's in, associate pastor. And, God had been putting in my heart things that, that I really thought he wanted me to do and, and, and ways to approach ministry. And, and I came to a realization that the only way I could do that would be to move on to being a senior pastor. That That's the only way I would have the opportunity to do those things. And then a couple phone calls out of the blue from people across the country that I know bringing this whole issue up to me. And my wife and I talked about it and prayed about it. This was the only place our kids ever knew. We had been here, and our, all our relationships were here. All our most of our married life was here. Ministry was good, making a huge difference. I mean, just and in, in loving it. This is a good thing. But God really challenged us on this. You need to let go, and we did. And we cried. We cried at the prospect. And then we started moving in that direction. We said, We're following the Lord. And, and it looked like He was taking us somewhere else. And we, you know, we're, we're at other churches and they're considering us for pastor. And all this kind of thing happened, right? And then God didn't let it happen. Things happen here. And the former pastor leaves. And I am so I mean, I've made this choice so much that I don't even think, well, I should just step in and be the pastor because I didn't know. We'd already said, we're going. We're following the Lord. And then, about five months later, God made things very clear. And they wanted me here. But I want you to know that I needed to let go of this place before I could become the pastor. Because then I came into this place following the Lord, not just holding on to a good thing. And so what really hit me is I thought about this sermon. And this is not any announcement. It is not an announcement. But what hit me is that, wow, for the last 14 years, I have loved doing what I do. I love you people. I love the privilege of being able to be involved in your lives when the babies are born and when people face their last days and and marrying people and counseling and teaching and, and all of these things and the vision that we have where we're going. I love it. I mean, I love it. And God said to me again, you need to let go. You need to say, yeah, this is a good thing but God, I don't ever want this to become something that keeps me from following you. So that is no announcement, please. (laughs) But is the truth about where we need to live where we need to live? So today I leave you with, I leave you with this. What is it that you need to be looking at? What good thing or things do you need to be looking at that may be preventing you from following the Lord like you ought to? And whether you see anything now or not that you already settled today, when I do see it, I'm saying yes to God. No matter how good the other thing looks. Will you do that? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and that you speak to us about the things that we would never choose to think about, but are so important. I pray, Father, that as we're sitting here today and we're thinking about these things in our lives, first I pray that we will think about them. We won't let this slide, we will focus in on it. I pray, Father, you would help us see where maybe we've let some good thing, which came from you, become a bad thing because we've disconnected it from you and aren't following you in it anymore. And Father, please work in our hearts right now. I pray that each of us here would determine right now to say, yes, Lord, whatever you would speak to me. If you say to me, this one thing you lack, this needs to go, this needs to change. If you would say that to us, that we would, rather than being very sorrowful, we would say yes and follow you. I prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's do this. Just keep your heads bowed for a moment, eyes closed. just want you to take a moment, if you haven't already, right now, if, if you say, what area of your life do you say, oh, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. I'm glad he didn't mention that. What area of life is that for you? Right now, would you just say, Lord, I give it to you. I will follow you. I will do whatever it takes.